Music, industry talk, stories, equipment and more. We are Crossfader and this is Off 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 Off, off the Record. Off the Record. Off the Record. Hello and welcome to an all new series of Off the Record. Now, we did put a special out if you listened last week, um, but that was more like a one-off special with loads of different guests. And what we really want to do is commit to you guys weekly and get you guys involved. And we're just going to be bringing like another, a weekly big topic basically to kind of get our head around. This first week, we're just going to do a bit of a catch up and see what's been going on, what's been um, happening in the industry um, and what we've been doing as well at Crossfader. So, hi, this is Lawrence James, if you don't know already, and we are with... Jamie Hartley, what's Jamie up? Jamie Hartley, all good? Yeah, all good. So yeah, I'm excited to uh, get back doing the podcast regularly. We've got this new season, like you say. Yeah. Um, big topic then at the moment in the industry, there is no equipment. Yeah, that's that's why as well, like these podcasts haven't been as regular because we're kind of scrambling for things to talk about. So we thought, give it, give it a little breather Yeah. and then come back when there is something to talk about. And there is a lot to talk about. There's um, a lot of gigs happening if if you're listening to this in the UK, it's Freshers Week, so there's all that com- uh, coming up. And um, the boys have been to London last night as well. Yep, that's right. For another workshop, if you've listened to the podcast in the past, you will know that we do in-person workshops alongside Pirate Studios. They're dotted all over the UK, and we did one in London last night in Tottenham. And yeah, it was sold out. Really good vibe, really good crowd. Lots of questions. Like, I've got to say, the two hours, yeah. I did have a bit of a headache after, like, the questions <laughs> were coming thick and fast, but really good questions as well. Um, so let's just go back. Lack of equipment. Why, yeah. why is there a lack of equipment? What's going on in the industry? Why, why have we got nothing? <laughs> it's been like this for quite a while now. Obviously, the pandemic's had a, a big knock-on effect from it, but we are talking about pretty much a whole year so far of... Nothing major. Did the new mark come out this year? The S4 N- effect. NS4, NS4 that's come out, out this yeah. year. I think the Rev 7. Was that that early, wasn't out? it? Um, so there has been some new equipment. There was yeah. like a DJM S5 mixer, I think. That oh, yeah. So yeah. there has been new equipment, but the, the problem is, is even like the, if the Rev 7 dropped maybe end of yeah. last year, start of this year, there is none available to buy because the of thing. the supply chain issues. Now, I think it's to do with the chip shortages as well as a backlog from COVID um, and the supply chain of actually producing this equipment, especially your Pioneer gear, the higher end stuff that has sound cards in there that has you know more technology on board in the equipment. Um, yeah, I'm looking on all the online stores yeah. and pre-orders. And yeah, we, we was online for at least half an hour the other day just trying every country everywhere to try and find some equipment and it's really really difficult um but then that's led into some opportunities for people like newmark and and things like that the the products that you still can get on amazon um are starting to do really well we we've we've been asked a lot about the newmark s4 fx because ns4 ns4 fx because you can you can get them so they seem to be flying off the shelves on on amazon and and things like that so um it's interesting uh yeah but I will say like if if you're listening to this and you're thinking about buying some equipment or trying to get started as a DJ but you you can't get the equipment you want you know don't hold you know don't delay getting started because of that I'd say just get some other equipment for now you know and you can do so much with a lot of the equipment that is available you know you don't need the best thing in the world you don't need the best equipment to get started and get creative with and just have fun with so you know have a look at what is out there i know there isn't much but don't let it put you off and then hopefully we'll get sort of a bit more 
a few more products coming back on the shelves. Yeah, I think that DJ industry is a bit like that. Like when there's something new out, you know, suddenly like the, the previous model becomes kind of obsolete or like, you know, unvaluable. But I mean, I had my first pair of decks for like 15 years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> do you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Like you don't always have to run out and get the newest thing. They all, you know, they all, they all do a job at this, you know, at this stage, all the controllers are pretty much just, you know, a couple of new features and a new layout generally but in general yeah don't let it hold you back and like i say the ones that you can get hold of are generally the beginner ones anyway um so yeah don't kind of let it stop you from going out and getting some yeah i think and we can recommend the ns4 effects that is available as of recording this um this podcast yeah. and there is some Denon gear that's floating about that's yep. still available as well. Um, it's just the Pioneer gear is in high demand and that is definitely, you know, getting squeezed. But yeah, have a look at these other brands. Um, did you see any Hercules available? There wasn't any Hercules, I uh, don't think. Um, there was a couple of Rev 7s knocking about as well, so on the higher end, but um, for all the Scratch DJs. Um, but yeah, there's some new lighting as well. Yeah, <laughs> new tech news. <laughs> there is some new tech news as well. We have some new Nano Leaf lighting. If you've watched... Um, a couple of recent videos on the channel then you'll have seen these um, uh, in our channel but yeah they're basically just kind of triangular hexagon, hexagon panel shapes panel shapes um, that are really cool actually they're pretty much plug and play but they can be used with sound switch yep or yep. with the engine lighting directly so if you've got a den and dj piece of gear or even the new mark uh mix stream pro then the that has engine lighting on board and what it does is it connects via wi-fi to this lighting panel that you can just have stuck to your wall um and it will create a light show to the music that you're playing which is amazing so imagine you know you're doing live streams or yep. creating content for yourself um videoing it then you can have these light panels in the background and if you have the engine lighting or if you have sound switch you can integrate this lighting into your dj set and make it perform to the music you know if you can even program it to to do certain colors and effects and strobes at certain times in particular songs so every time you load that song in it will perform the same light show in real time as it plays so you can almost program like you'd imagine like a festival yeah, set yeah. in your bedroom you know it's getting to that point it with is, technology yeah. so but what i will say is like we've just pretty much pretty much had it on plug and play and the sound to light is unreal yeah um and it, you know if you've got an iphone you can literally just you can have different um settings so that they're just you know you swipe down on your phone and from your home screen you can change all the colors and things like that so they are pretty cool and you know relatively for lights relatively cheap um, and you can get kind of as many or as little as you want. They all kind of connect together. Um, so that's cool. Um, what else have we been up to? Um, you've got some gigs coming up, have you not? We have, yes. Yeah. So if you're in the UK, you'll know it's a very busy week for DJs. It is Freshers Week. So that's when all the students come back in town and come from you know all areas of the UK to start university, basically. So for DJs, it's generally um, a Monday to Sunday, every night, um, you know, busy, busy period. So I've not gone as crazy, but I am doing kind of the next four or five nights. Usually I do kind of 30 nights in a <laughs> row, but that just isn't, that's not my life anymore. But yeah, I'm doing the next kind of four or five nights. Um, and what I've tried to do this year as well is get loads of different types of, of nights just to keep things interesting. So tonight, for example, is a big, just kind of your student, student anthems, your big high energy things. And then tomorrow i've got like more of a disco tech night which for me is a little bit more out of my comfort zone but again that's why i wanted to take it on so the best part of all this is kind of the process of like finding music and i think up until this period i've kind of like had a couple of months off where i've not been like heavy tune hunting 
because I always kind of leave it until now when it's like you get all like the new songs from um, all these places you find on edits and you, you scroll online and it's one of the best parts about um, this kind of time period is getting all your new set list together and then you can go out and kind of test the waters with it. Yeah. Um, Friday is like a brand new hip-hop night so that's going to be like old school hip-hop and new hip-hop and things like that. So I've just been trying to get my crates in order for discovering new music and making new edits and finding new edits and that's kind of like one of the most fun things you can do as a DJ. So I think this is a big part of the, the conversation we want to apply to this yeah. podcast episode today is talking about music discovery, music management, library management, preparation for gigs and how to really set yourself up yeah. for success when it comes to actually, you've got already got, you know, you've got a gig booked in, but how do you perform at that gig and make sure you do the best job? And just like this, you know, Lawrence here has got lots of gigs lined up now. Some of them, I'm guessing, are new gigs, new yeah, clubs, yeah, new yeah. promoters, new Literally. people you're working yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, two so or you, three. you've got to put on a level of expertise there you've got to make sure that you're performing to the highest standard yeah so you hope to obviously keep that gig 100 you hope that the a lot of time in this period there'll be a lot of new nights that start that don't last because everywhere's busy yeah. the first few weeks when loads of new students come to a city but then they can die off quickly so like the dj plays an integral part of making sure that night is a success from the start as well so it's it's sort of added pressure there as well yeah. isn't it and also i can't stress enough if, if you're kind of maybe up and coming DJ or you've had a few gigs or something like that. This is a great time for you to grab yourself some gigs because I must have turned down over the course of this summer between 15, 20 gigs, just cause one, there's a shortage of, of, of good DJs. And two, there's an influx of obviously brand new nights, new events, new clubs, new promoters, new venues. So I've been, obviously I have a circle of friends who are DJs that I trust and things like that. So we've been kind of passing each other gigs and stuff for years. So anytime it comes around, I'll say, Hey, I can't do this, but you know, pass it on to so-and-so or pass it on to the next guy so so how important is that for a new dj starting yeah. that networking with other djs exactly how many opportunities have you provided personally to up-and-coming djs and vice versa like how many opportunities have you gained from other djs recommending you and that's such an integral part of getting gigs am i right yeah literally it is and i when i used to do events i would always have a brand new dj on because some promoters look at it like you know, if you're an up-and-coming DJ, if you're young, 18 to 20 or something, you're probably going to have a group of friends um, that you can bring to the event. So that, from a promoter's point of view, will kind of make his money back if you're kind of coming and doing a, a gig for free to get experience or, you know, a, a relatively low wage, you can bring people to that event. But not only that, like I say, it is a kind of a shortage of, of good DJs and people will give you a shot if it's a warm-up or, you know, these club nights are going from 10 till 4 a.m. And generally that means a couple of DJs sometimes or two rooms, three rooms even. Yeah. Um, so there is opportunities out there. So like you say, networking, and it should have all been done, you know, in the in kind of the summer months. And we, we always talk about having your socials in check as well. If you can have something something on your social media that shows what you do, what you play, what you're about, shows that, you, you know, you're not... Um, you know, that you're serious about doing it as well, then I can just come on your socials and say, yep, I, I can see that you can mix. Let's give him, you know, a warm-up set or a few hours. And that's that can lead to you know, a whole career, basically. Amazing. So let's to go to the next step. You're obviously preparing music and getting ready for these new gigs. And as you mentioned there, you've taken on some gigs that are a bit out yeah. of your comfort zone. You know, you know hip-hop down yeah. to a T. You know what's going to, you know light up the dance floor or whatever when you're playing in that genre but you've taken on gigs with sort of like housey tech disco yeah. sorts of styles of music and how did you go about finding the music and preparing yourself 
to be yep. armed with the right music yep. for that gig that is about to start. So what I will always do is, no matter what it what gig it is, I will always still play a set that is comfortable to me. So, for example, I'm doing this disco on, and tech house night. I will basically I will go on the kind of the beatbox charts, the disco charts, see what's hot there. I'll go online, I'll look at some big kind of disco DJs, maybe like Fulhamore or Purple Disco Machine, things like that. What are they playing? But then also I want to keep it like um unique to me so i will still have the acapellas from like a hip-hop set or a house set or something like that just because i know that you know a, a drake vocal over a disco beat will sound good and and kind of eye-catching and, and the crowd will be like oh, oh i wasn't expecting that and then it, i'm comfortable with it as well so you'll always have them little pieces of of magic that you can drop in because you know that it will go off and you're just about like kind of adapting it and again, preparation, having a few like acapellas that you know work or go off or that are anthems whilst you're playing this new music that you might not be comfortable with. So it kind of marries the two there. You're playing, you're playing what the promoter wants and what the event wants, but also you're kind of comfortable and you can make that transition um, by, you know, creating edits or mashups or kind of whatever it is, really. Yeah, I was talking about this in the workshop that we ran last night. You know, someone asked a question about preparing music and, you know, how do you prepare for various nights? Yeah. And one of the big, things that i was sort of promoting in the answer is that you know make sure you've got an eclectic range of music yeah maybe you, you know your your goal is not to be playing hip-hop or your goal is not to be playing house you want to be a certain type of dj however that's narrowing your opportunities down from the start and yeah. what you'll find is you kind of have opportunities come your way and you might have to just play the stuff you don't want to play initially but that gives you experience it gives you you know time to get used to playing to an audience yeah. um and it's all valuable so having an eclectic range of music available and prepared will set you up for any situation yeah. and it means that you you know it's better that you put on a good show and you play the right music to the right audience and you don't have to stick at that gig for ages, but you've got some experience from it and you've proved you can do it and that might lead on to other opportunities. And I think that's such a vital thing is having that diverse range of music and really opening yourself up to other genres that you maybe don't enjoy listening to in your spare yeah. time. And that is fine. I used to play a lot of big, when EDM was huge, when yeah. Martin Garrix or Oliver Heldens, I mean, they're still big now, but when they were dropping those big yep. you know like animals and things levels. like that yeah levels of each all the big kind of big room edm sounds i was playing a lot of gigs where i was you know that was the night that was the sound now i didn't listen to that music in my spare time outside of djing but i really enjoyed playing that music because of the reaction, reaction right? it provided to the crowd yeah. um so i you know spent a lot of time learning about that music downloading the right music for the pleasure of the audience not for the pleasure of me but for the pleasure of the audience and the people i were playing to yeah. so you know that this goes back to that getting an eclectic diverse range of music it didn't mean i stopped listening to the music and playing the music i wanted to play it just meant i was open to playing you know other events and yeah. gigs and i got a lot out of those gigs even if the music wasn't my favorite music i got so much out of those gigs from an energetic point of view from like a feedback point of view and obviously it was great to just play on a stage to yeah. you know a thousand plus people even if it wasn't the the perfect music for me <laughs> as a dj so Plus, as well you know I, some somebody one of once told me you know if you can mix two tunes together you can mix anything together so it's just a good practice to get into the habit of when you've got some practice time or something just literally pick five 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 genres and just try and mix each song back to back and see what you can come up with and it'll just kind of give you a, a, a broader range even if like you say you're not planning on kind of playing that music um 
like I say, me going into kind of a disco and a tech house night, I feel comfortable because I've always got a backup of, you know, vocals or something to fall back on. Um, plus as well, I think it's quite kind of important to stress the importance of working with promoters and not kind of being like, okay, I know what I'm going to do here. Um, you know, during the night, before the night, after the night, I'll have an open dialogue with the promoters or, or whoever's running it um, to make sure that we're both on the same page because, you know, if I go in there and, you know, I'm, I'm dropping kind of hip hop acapellas over disco and they're like, nah, <laughs> we didn't want this. We didn't ask for this. Um, then, you know, then you've got an issue. Um, but if you have the open dialogue before, um, and a lot of promoters now like to kind of have a, a bit of a Spotify playlist just for kind of an idea. I've had that a couple of times this year, which is totally fine. It gets us totally aligned. Um, and then you can kind of just work in between those lines. And then afterwards as well, the day after when when the dust settles and you can kind of reflect on the night, you can be like, right, this worked, this worked, this didn't work. Um, and then you can speak to the promoter, right, what time did it drop off? What time do people get in? Should we um, do the big tunes a bit later? You know, should we close early? Should we open later? That kind of thing is is really important as well for like um, getting, keep, keep the gigs, to keep the gigs rolling in basically. Yeah. So let's go a bit more granular. On the night, you know, we're playing these new gigs. You might be playing for four or five hours at some of these gigs yeah. if you're doing a full night. Even if you're only playing for two hours, you've still got a chunk of time there where you've got to read a crowd and you've got to analyze what's going on. Yeah. If it's a new night, you might have a new crowd there and it might be a bit of a mix mash. You know, if it's a night that's been running for years and you're a new DJ to that night, you've got to understand and learn the crowd. And that might take a couple of weeks. So um, I was talking about this to some of our students, but basically like you've got to really kind of work fast and hard at reading that crowd and there, there's ways to do that and opportunities to do that if it is a new gig like Lawrence was saying you know he might drop some disco tunes with some hip-hop acapellas in there now if that works if he's looking at the crowd and they're responding to yeah. that kind of technique then you need to be prepared to go well where are the rest of my acapellas yeah. where are the rest of the tracks that have got a similar vibe to what i'm playing right now i need to be able to access them quickly and easily and not be searching tune for tune for tune you need playlists ready for that so this is where the organization that management comes in let's say you're playing a gig and you suddenly notice you're playing something but you get spots in the dance floor and the kind of the energy dies down a little bit you've got to be able to analyze that situation that's fine that's happened but you know that the music you're playing might not be quite right for this yep. time in the night so you need to switch it up so what is you know a sideline to that energy what you know are you do you need to pick the energy up and where is the music in your library to do so um so yeah coming into music management and preparing your library you know do you organize your your playlist by the night that you're playing at by the genres by the energy level or a bit of everything yeah i kind of i i do think about the night and i will put them specifically i have kind of bigger folders you know your bigger hip-hop house tech big folders but then especially new nights i will do a specific playlist for that event because just from an experience point i know where i know if if i i'm, I'm doing various gigs so one a couple of gigs are like four hour gigs um, a couple of gigs are like one hour gigs a couple of gigs are two hour gigs so i know that in a one hour gig i don't need any warm-up music I, you know i don't need any cool down music i'm doing the main set so I'm just going to put loads of loads of big big bangers, big anthems in there. That's cool. Um, and then, obviously, for the kind of four or five hour sets, I will have a long, long warm up um, set planned because I think that's what a lot of maybe not a lot of DJs, but it's very easy to go too early as a DJ. And the worst thing ever is kind of going too early, and then you know if you're up until four a.m., the energy goes at like two a.m. and you, 
you, once it goes, you can't really get it back. It is one of them things. So uh, my biggest tip is to go go as long as you can in a warm up because you, you've only got a select few kind of bangers, <laughs> um, kind of every every term or every year. So I always try to go as long as I can, right up until that point. It's like right now, I've literally have to go into to bangers. <laughs> they're all, they're almost bored, <laughs> yeah. and then I just kind of open up a can of worms, and then another good tip is if you're keeping people in venues the the, the venues are going to love that because they make the money behind the bar so if all your crowd are leaving at 2am it's up until 4 it's like they're going to be stressed yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you can keep them there till and, 4 and they will guarantee you be coming on your back like do this do that yeah. try this like you need to you need to get the crowd back and then you're stressing out as a DJ yeah <laughs> um, so yeah get get. Um, I tend to like I say genre big genre banks of like everything and then dependent on what gig I'm going to, I'll have kind of separate um, separate playlists for each of them. Yeah, I used to do the same. So I used to have definitely like specific nights um, as overriding folders. And then I had energy levels within that or yeah. maybe warm up, you know, peak time. And those those playlists would change. And then it kind of get to a point where I just want to start fresh and I just start yeah. make a whole new folder of the same night yeah. and just, you know, pull tunes in again, totally freshen up my library just so my sets weren't getting too repetitive each week. I think that happens with resident DJs. That can be a thing. It's It's one of those things where I think that people go into regular events they do expect a certain amount of familiarity yeah and that is the thing that they're like okay 12 o'clock you know that you know drake's coming on you know they know at one o'clock is the house set and things like that but it does it, it's that fine balance of being kind of new and fresh but giving them what they want as well so it's, there's no point going in there and playing a different set every week because you just want to get into a flow and you know your night will just be all over the place i think so i think having a having that balance of kind of familiar tracks and a familiar kind of pattern of play but obviously try and keep it engaging for yourself and them as well yeah and i think a lot of the people listening you know if you're getting your first gigs or doing a lot of warm-up gigs you've got to keep in mind as well the music that you're you know putting aside for that gig it can't be all the biggest bangers because if you're playing early doors, you don't want to bring that energy level up too early. And that's the job of the main DJ. So your job really is to warm that event up. Yep. So you've got to think about that when it comes to preparing and planning your set and your music. Don't just go for the easy tunes. You know, we can all ride the easy wave. It's actually a harder job to, to, to warm that crowd up. So think about where are you going to get the music that people recognize and know, but it isn't the latest hit that Mm. will get wasted on them early doors you know there's a lot of if you just go back a year two years what are the the tunes that were relatively popular or got good reactions you know in the past a couple of years ago they could maybe go in the warm-up set one of my biggest um one of the things i love doing the most was actually finding interesting remixes bootlegs edits of pretty popular songs but from unknown artists you know yeah. using soundcloud and things like that yeah. and all of those songs would go into a warm-up set um, if, as long as the energy isn't too high in it, obviously, but if try and find these like warm up versions of songs that people know, and that's a really interesting way to kind of um, build your night and it's build a, your it's, setup. It's a great way to keep people coming back if they, if you're just playing the kind of top forty, which is which might be called for in, in you know whatever gig you're doing, then you know they can they can they're gonna shazam that they'll know the track right. But if you're playing all these edits and stuff, they're gonna be like what. what? where is this like what is this track and that's when you get them people coming to the dj booth like you know asking you to like write down your edits and that's what you want you want like other people other djs like behind you or in the booth like what is this remix what is this remix and that's that again like i said at the, at the top of the show like 
like music discovery is like one of like the actual pure joys of, of DJing and finding new music and just like just spending you know a couple of hours or you know as long as you can just in these places like SoundCloud Bandcamp Bandcamp's unreal like it's fairly new to me is Bandcamp I think Danny showed me it about a year ago but it's unbelievable like yeah. it is actually unbelievable so all the edits on there and the big good thing about Bandcamp as well is you can actually pay the art the pay the person editing as well so it kind of like you kind of pay, pay pay it forward um but yeah music hunting is the amount of times time. the amount of times that i find a song that i like and then one of the first things i do is type that song in and then type remix or cover yeah. or edit yeah. in google and see what comes up see what comes up on youtube because anyone can upload to youtube so you get some like up and coming producer it's not a, it's not an official release but they made a song they put it on youtube and i'm like whoa this is a really cool yeah. remix a really cool approach to it um and they usually will provide a free download in the description and things and there's so much you can find just from just typing that into google um and that can straight away make your so unique and so diverse compared to other dj sets yeah it's i think this kind of um discussion is is like really really good especially this time of the year for me personally and finding music and hunting music and i think as well just like on the discussion i think um if you guys haven't checked it out yet um you need to come over to our discord where the discussion happens you know 24 7 if you aren't if you aren't on discord yet you can you know, find it, um, crossfade the Discord, and there's thousands of people in there now having discussions like this, um, in like on a daily basis. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's there's channels in there all split up for like getting gear advice, for deciding what equipment to buy next, for just you know daily Share, chat. sharing the setup. I like that's my favorite section. Yeah, there's, you can share setup. your mixes to get feedback from other members, and it's quite active in there. And you can share if you produce music, you can share you know your productions in there. So it's really active Discord. We also do giveaways monthly yeah, as well. So there's, there's a giveaway in there. And then if you are a student of ours, then you get, you know, access to exclusive channels in there as well. So um, it's really cool, active place. Like Lauren said, just search for Crossfader Discord or just check the um, links in the description to this podcast. Yep. Um, if you are interested in, you know, getting on board and learning some new skills through one of our courses, we've got a 20% off code which is off the record, all capitals, um, and you can get 20% off any course. Latest course that's just gone live, how to get gigs. If you listen to the last episode, you'll have learned a lot more about this course. If not, then Lawrence. Yeah, um, yeah. if you've heard the last um, podcast, then thank you very much. But yeah, how to get gigs, it's um, it's just launched. It took you know so long, kind of six to eight months from kind of idea um, to fruition. And yeah, it, it kind of takes you through the whole journey of becoming a a working dj it starts off with kind of defining what you want to be if you're a beginner um or if you've kind of had a few gigs um but you know nothing kind of consistent then it talks about you know finding your target audience doing the market research early and then we talk about building your resume your portfolio of work um that you can then you know put on your socials that you can then show to the venues and the, the club promoters uh, and then the final part is kind of putting yourself out there going um, doing the market research finding these promoters in your area finding these events if you want to be a wedding dj or a techno dj you know who is hiring you um how to speak to them how to approach them um, and how to get more gigs so yeah go and check it out on our website we are crossfader.co.uk and honestly i i don't i don't gig anymore i'm not like a working dj i just you know focus on content for crossfader um but i obviously watched through the course before it went live and it it, it almost inspired me i was like i think i want to become a dj again <laughs> i think i want to go get gigs again i was like i, I, I could do all this i want to put this into practice so it, it, you know it inspired me to get started and again just talking about discord we've already got students in there sharing their goals you know they're taking pictures of all the things that they've written down you know some 
of the tasks that we assign them at the start of the course. They're already sharing it in in, in Discord and That's awesome. setting up the accountability factor. And there's the support network in there. So it's super engaging, super exciting. And we cannot wait to hear the progress. Obviously, this might not be an overnight thing. This is going to be across the next year. We're hoping to have lots of students yep. You know, starting to get their first gigs, starting to get their first residencies, or even beyond, maybe take their careers further, get yeah. booking agents, and and you know, really take it beyond just that basic level DJ. Well, I think it's really difficult as well because it, one, you know, one if you just started, it is like a minefield. What you know, what? How do I get this gig? You know, I've got this controller in front of me. I've I've learned a few mixes, but then you know, how the hell am I going to go and do this in in front of people? And then. There's the you know the other side of it. Maybe you've been DJing quite a few years, but you know you've, you've not really got any gigs, or you just done it as a hobby. You know, there's there's the branding to think about. There's there's um, social media which changes every week, literally like new updates every week. There's new formats every week. Um, you know, there's YouTube. You know, how do you get your YouTube mixes online and all this kind of stuff? Um, is the reason that this course exists basically? It's just kind of a streamlined process from throughout that whole kind of process. To, to making it as a DJ. Super exciting. Yeah, really excited to see the, the feedback from that and see the, the progression. So um, another thing, just going back to Discord, we, we had yeah. another topic, which I thought was an interesting topic to kind of bring up and um, discuss a bit further. Someone asked, what should I upgrade to from yeah. a DJ 400? They're looking at upgrading their equipment and they're th saying, oh, in the Discord, they were like, I think I'm going to save up for a DDJ Rev 7. And for those that don't know, a Rev 7 is one with the moving platters. It's yeah. got the spinning jog wheels on. So basically, it kind of emulates what a turntable does, but in a controller. Yeah. Um, and the Rain 1 is another controller that does this. That was the first controller to to do it and then you have rain 12s which are like standalone they look like turntables but they're actually just individual controllers that are bigger and mm -hmm. they've got the full 12 inch size spinning platters but this spinning platter movement you know it's come about in the last few years like i just mentioned the products just then these are all products that now integrate the spinning platters um and you know we went through a phase where turntables died off djing became all digital and we went to cdjs um and a lot of people bought controllers and sort of turntables was always there in the background but i feel like it's had a huge 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 resurgence and people are, are potentially wanting that authentic vinyl feel but yep. with the update of the technology that's integrated into controllers and software um so it's been a really interesting few years how this has been rolled out um, and how technology has evolved in it, especially with like Phase coming on board as well, which yeah. if you're not sure about Phase, just have a Google about it. Um, but should you upgrade to a spinning platter? Why would you want a spinning platter? For those DJs who, who don't, who've never touched turntables, like why would somebody want to suddenly have something spinning on their controller? <laughs> Do you know what it's like? It's like, remember when... A Kindle came out and it was like, this is amazing. You can have loads of books on here. But then people just actually preferred like the feel of a book, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is the only analogy I can kind of think of. I think it's like, it's a great analogy. It is like just having so, it just, it's something fun and fundamental about having, you know, spinning and touching platter. And it just makes you a bit more creative, I think, and a bit less robotic. It's, you know, there's a lot more feel and touch to it. Um, and, you know, Maybe it's just because that's how I learned. I don't know, but um, it is. But then again, it, it is an alien kind of thing. If you've if you've you know started on just a standard controller like a four hundred or something, it will be a bit weird. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, it does depend on what kind of DJ you want to be. There's generally not that many what you call house DJs that that use them. Um, yeah. And I think that's 
that's because in general, if you're a house DJ, you're going to get to a club. There's going to be CDJs there, right? And I think that's kind of the the, the the progression. But yeah, for me, a lot more fun. It's what I'm used to. And if you are kind of more open format or hip hop or something like that, then I would I'd, I'd like suggest that you, you go that way. The reason being is because to scratch on, you know, to scratch full stop as a DJ, it is more flexible it's probably easier in the long run to do it with turntables and spinning moving platters and there's yeah. a lot more flexibility you have there and you can take your scratching much further and you have much more control and feel over what you're scratching with so that is one of the key components to why suddenly moving platters are, have been integrated is because for those djs who do want to scratch which obviously comes from a lot of you know hip-hop djs um even sort of you trap and a lot of the all, you know, other genres apart from your house and yeah. drum and bass. Um, those that want to scratch, you know, the moving platters are great. And I think it's something that if that is your end goal and you want to incorporate that in your sets, definitely look at some kind of moving platter. I remember vividly, I started on turntables, I moved to CDJs and then um, I actually sold my CDJs and bought turntables again because yeah. I wanted to learn to scratch and I felt like I was limited on the CDJs and as soon as I got the turntables it allowed me to learn to scratch so much easier Yeah. Um, but then obviously if you are getting turntables and you've never touched them before you do need to sort of relearn how to do your basic mixing as yeah. well and how to control the moving platter to keep it in time so there's another element to think about there um, but then you've got this hybrid model as well of like you can sync stuff together if you've got your grid set up right yeah. so you kind of have the best of both worlds it's really interesting yeah. so to see where it's going in the industry I think it's only going to continue to to come out you know there's going to be more controllers I'm I'm really waiting for an entry level controller could you imagine yeah, an entry level yeah, couple hundred pounds couple hundred dollars with a spinning of, I platter see, I can see like Newmark doing that or something like that and, and, yeah. and doing it I think the, yeah, close, like, the closest, by the way, there is sort of one. There's the yeah. Tractor S4 yeah. Mark III, but that's not really entry-level still. And yeah. they, they're a bit of a different approach to moving platters. Yeah, I think before the um, kind of Rev 7 and the Rain 1 came out, it was this it was this kind of missing gap of the market, this kind of hybrid model. Um, and I think now that's filled, it is hard to see what kind of the next thing is. But, I mean, But it is interesting because there yeah. was the Newmark NS, I think it was NS7 or NS... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was the NS7, yeah, which it, had yeah. spinning platters on, which was kind of the same technology. But I think <laughs> nobody really took took up on it. For yeah, you know, There was certain really. diehard DJs, but there was, like I said, that period of time in DJing where it wasn't really exciting to be on turntables. It was yeah, exciting maybe. because of all the digital yeah. controllers that were coming about. But yeah, I'm intrigued to see where it goes. Um, Me too. Exciting times. Yeah. Um, there is going to be some more exciting news dropping soon. We can't yeah. mention it in this episode, but hopefully <laughs> in the next episode, we can talk about it. So <laughs> that's a little teaser to <laughs> you know check in for the next one that drops. And if you're Pioneer or Rain, please release something <laughs> <laughs> so we can talk about it. Yeah, thanks again for listening and we'll be back in another episode soon. Remember to check out wearecrossfader.co.uk for all our online education, step-by-step -step courses, DJ Hub, guides and more. See you later. Oops, I pressed the wrong one. <laughs>